Welcome back to the Sound Tracker Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Peacock. So I'm getting to that thing you do today, which I've talked about on the show a few times now. It's come up in conversation. I think walk hard maybe the first time, but it's like my my ideal for if you're going to make a song in a movie that's supposed to be a humongous hit for like a fictional band in this universe, it better sound like it's going to be a real hit. And this was one of them. I mean, this was a hit in the real world. It was a hit when it came out in the real world. So uh, that thing you do is just such an unbelievable title track. The rest of the soundtrack's really great too. I'm joined by Lauren Bolger to talk about it. And uh, it was a really fun conversation. I'm glad to finally get to it. If you have not, check the show out on Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash soundtracker. I've got some really good stuff coming up here. Uh, Halloween's right around the corner, so I'm already like prepping that. Uh, doing some different things with the uh, bonus episodes, too. I'm not just doing, you know, here's two movies every month. I'm doing something that sort of ties in thematically with something that I've done previously in the month or, or upcoming. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of fun going that route, too. So check it out, www.patreon.com forward slash soundtracker. It's hugely important to the show, free for seven days. You get 30 bonus episodes right now, and you'll have two coming every single month going forward. All for $6, pretty great deal. Or if you'd like, you can just throw me three bucks as like a little, you know, thank you for doing this every week sort of tip thing. Um, whatever you want to do, but please check it out. And also give the show a rating if you have not anywhere you listen uh i'm two away from 200 on apple which was something i was trying to hit before the second anniversary of the show didn't quite get there but i'm close enough if you could do that for me i would love to get two more ratings after this episode um and hit 200 uh but yeah takes a couple seconds to do if you don't mind doing it please do and here it is that thing you do running ain't nowhere to hide the beast is coming and he's got you in his sights he ain't gonna miss you and he ain't gonna mess around if you're a movie with original songs the soundtrack I'm gonna track you down everyone welcome back so i'm getting to a movie that i've referenced quite a few times on here now i know i did during walk hard and a few other episodes um it's to me the ideal the perfect example of of a fictional universe song that is a believable hit um and the movie i'm doing is that thing you do and i'm joined today by the author of the recently released kill radio lauren bolger lauren how are you doing good good how are you today I'm doing great. So what made you choose that thing you do? Oh, good question. <laughs> um, so I know I had, we went through, you know, a whole list, but um, that thing you do. Um, yeah. So when it came out, I don't know exactly how old I was. I think I was like, I don't know, 12 or something like that. Um, I, you know, I definitely loved the music. Um, it was so funny. Uh it's, I mean, and now it's just for the whole nostalgic thing. Um, but yeah, just like, I, I love the characters. Um, I love music. I, I play drums too. I'm not in a band or anything, but, um, but I don't know. I just, I really love all the characters. I love all pretty much, I mean, all the actors too. Uh, but yeah. And then rewatching it's like the story is, it's so good. It's so crazy how much happens in that little time frame. I think it's like an hour and a half or an hour 45 or something. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then just watching it again, it like it really um I don't know how to describe it. It's just like that I just love the characters that much more. Um I almost feel like I feel a little bit differently about them, but in a good way watching it again. Um but yeah, just a great movie, great music. Um really I just really enjoy it a lot. <laughs> well, okay, and I had a question actually about the drumming thing. So with you drumming, do you feel a stronger connection to Chad or Guy when you watch this? <laughs> you Oh gosh. <laughs> um it's so funny. Well, the funniest thing is like seeing Giovanni Rabisi be just such a goofy character that like hardly shows up at all. Yeah. Um that was really entertaining and weird cuz he's, you know, the, had the most um almost like Oscar worthy type roles since the movie. Uh, so that's that was really odd, but um, but yeah, I think I relate to Guy maybe a little more, although he's much more talented than me. Well, the character is more talented than me for sure. Um, but yeah, I guess Guy more than um, Chad. Well, and you wrote a short little piece from the perspective of Tina yeah. <laughs> about Guy, so I wasn't sure if maybe it's it's, it's not the kindest piece to Guy. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> right. So the funny thing is I'm rewatching the movie and like to write that piece, I did not rewatch the movie. So I invented like chunks of that little, it's like a micro fiction probably with how many, how few words that one is, but I'm um, rewatching it. I'm like, you know, definitely it, you sort of like, you're taking a stroll in Tina's universe and she's in it for so little that I had to invent a lot and just kind of what she was maybe thinking from her point of view. But I think it's one of those things where it's like, you know, someone's not that into you, but they're kind of stringing you along. And I think <laughs> that's kind of like where, where I had Tina coming from, but very weird actions put ideas in my head. Like I was vacuuming the back of my car and then the first thing that came to me was Tina being at the dentist and having that like saliva ejector like suck the spit out of her mouth. <laughs> so it's like it really none of it makes sense from the perspective of here's how I feel about Guy and Tina. Uh, so it's it's very bizarre. And I, I also work for a dental supply company. So like I knew all the like the things that the dentist would use. <laughs> so it's like talking about how she there's this guy who's like way more appealing to her than than this drummer of a rock band which like everybody else would feel the opposite they'd probably pick a drummer over a dentist <laughs> but um i just went the other way with it and uh made tina like you know if she whatever she hated about guy i just exacerbated that in my little story there <laughs> so, i like the touch of including the i am spartacus thing as being one of the things that drove her nuts in that was in that was so funny because it was like in the scenes in the movie he's like he's so excited about this drumming thing and she's so not and she can't help it but at the same time she's not really trying to care right. uh, so it's just really those i like those weird things about like like young relationships that are not gonna work and they're so flawed and then they just end but just like it's just funny that all the drama that's in those so that's i guess that's why i enjoyed writing that one well on the subject of your writing, like I said, you had uh, a recent Kill Radio released recently. So tell everyone real quick about that before we jump into the movie. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's, it is a horror book. It is um, kind of like a, a cult slash supernatural. Um, there's, you know, demons, ghosts, um, all kinds of, there's a warlock in there. Um, but yeah, basically um, it starts from the point of view of this five-year-old kid. Um, and then most of it is from point of view of his mom, but um, 
but he he finds a uh, crystal radio in the back of his mom's linen closet. He turns it on and it opens a portal to hell. Um, so then the mom kind of meets a couple people. She has to, um, with the help of a local fisherman and a warlock, they have to somehow figure out what's going on, um, why it's happening and how to make it stop happening. Um, that's kind of like the quick elevator speech version. But um, but yeah. No, and, and see, and I love that concept like i was looking at i told robert when robert was on here too i feel like i just i have not had time to i i don't right now my reading for the last year just with like personal stuff and the show and work it sucks i love reading and i've had i've been basically like getting anthology collections so that i can at least finish a story once in a while you know what i mean like i just it's it sucks my reading has dropped so much so like that's it's in my like shelf of like you robert luke that i've had on recently there's like a couple of guests that have had stuff come out that i've just i haven't had time to like i said read anything but like i love that concept i'm a huge fan of like cursed media sort of stuff and it kind of falls into that sort of category you know what i mean like i'm ah, cool. a, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for that as a concept and uh i'm definitely going to be checking that out once school starts again i think i'm going to have a little more time to read i'm hoping that's kind of where i get a lot of my reading done but i thought the same thing last year and it didn't work out that way so <laughs> we'll see okay. uh, i'm gonna make a point of it though i usually like to read a lot more i read horror most of the time anyways but uh, that's awesome really try to well i try to make a good point during um uh you know october specifically to knock out a couple of horror novels while it's a uh, time of year it feels it feels right to do it that way but uh, yes I love well, october yeah. for that reason and we need to, I know it's my favorite. It's although I'm, you know, it's, we're sitting here, we're recording this, this episode will not be out. Um, this episode will be coming out in September, but we're recording at the first, first little bit of August. And, um, it's, it's, you know, even two weeks ago, I was seeing Halloween stuff at the stores and like, I'm the, look, I'm the biggest 14 year old in the world. When Halloween rolls around eight year old, I'll go back even further about Halloween. Like I go out and like, just go to stores and look at Halloween stuff half the time in, in October, like just go look at their Halloween stuff. And, uh, it's too early. It's it's like 90 degrees out. It's just, you know, give me some time here. I want to enjoy summer still because I love summer also just as much as I love October. And I, they're seeping into one another. So um, I won't complain in about two weeks, but, uh, you know, mid-July, I'm like, okay, we can, we can hold those back in the back stock for just a little bit. I don't need, you know, so I don't funny. need these. But, but, uh, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll stop complaining in a few weeks, but yeah, it's, it's my favorite time of year. So, uh, I will, I will, like I said, I've got to make a point of, uh, my little bookstore that I have a new, we had a new bookstore opened up. That's very good about like ordering things. If I, people want them and stuff, you know what I mean? So, uh, Oh, that's great. Yeah, it is. It's a real cool place. I, uh, I hope it, I hope it makes it, you know, Tiff, this is a, yes. it's not a good time for bookstores at this point, unfortunately, you know what I mean? Like a local, local, like mom and pop bookstores anyways, if you're a, not a Barnes yeah. and Noble, it's just, it's a tough time. It's a tough time for it. And I um, love independent bookstores. They're mm -hmm. amazing. Me and, too. Oh, and also the vile thing we created is Robert's book is also very good. Um, Yeah. 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 And that's, I actually talked to them about that one too, a couple, like a month ago and like, you know, yeah, I need to get that here sometime soon. So uh, yeah, they're really, they're really good there, but uh, well, okay. I will, and I'll put the link for where people can find that book in the episode description as well. So make sure you awesome. check that out. And uh, so, yeah, let's, let's get into that thing you do here. So 
taking a big turn from horror here and <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, yeah episode, right? it opened in october so you know i guess it kind of fits so a uh, little bit of background so that thing you do released on october 4th 1996 a pretty universal praise but it had a little bit of a disappointing box office return especially being tom hanks's first crack at writing and directing a feature film you know he had done it's funny i just watched he directed a tales from the crypt episode that was really fun that i forgot that he had done i've been watching a lot of you're kidding if we're going back to horror here i've been watching a lot of tales from the crypt recently um and uh yeah that was he had an episode there but yes this was his first feature that he directed and it it opened in third place with a six million dollars it went on to make a worldwide total of 34 million back against a budget of 26 million so you know again it doesn't sound hey, it made eight million dollars, but it you factor in advertising and all that. It, it 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 was considered a disappointment at the time. Um, the top 10 the week that it was released, number one was the first wives club, number two was the glimmer man, number three was that thing you do, number four was D3, the mighty ducks, number five was extreme measures, number six was two days in the valley, number seven was last man standing, number eight was independence day, number nine was big night, and number 10 was bulletproof. It's pretty fascinating to me that Independence Day was still in the top 10 in October of 1996, because if I remember correctly, that came out on the weekend of the 4th to capitalize. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but uh, I remember that movie being big. I didn't remember it being top 10 in the box office like three months after it released big. But um, it also seems weird that Independence Day and that thing you do were were in theaters at the same time. <laughs> it just doesn't. That is so odd. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a little bit of background on the movie itself. So Tom Hanks claimed that he wrote the script for that thing you do while doing promotional tours for Forrest Gump because he was like he was just incredibly bored while doing these nonstop interviews. So he he sat and jotted down, like he, I'm gonna take a crack at my first script. Um it was the film debut of Tom Everett Scott. Tom Hanks was actually opposed to hiring him at first because of the fact that he has such a strong resemblance to a young Tom Hanks, but he was eventually convinced by Rita Wilson, his wife, who thought that Scott was cute, which is that, that's kind of funny when you see their scene together in the movie that like, um, you know, that, that, that there was like that chemistry there acting chemistry, but the fact that she definitely absolutely did think like this, this is like an adorable kid that looks just like my husband when he was young. Um, oh, that's odd. Cause yeah, it was in the uh, jazz club scene, right? That yeah. was her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Wow. <laughs> that's weird. Um, so Steve Zahn is, is an accomplished singer and guitarist. He's played guitar and sang in both, well, real life, you know, his real life and in this movie and Saving Silverman. But the four actors playing the Wonders had to rehearse as a band for eight weeks to get the feel of performing. At the end of the day, most of their performances in the film were dubbed in by other musicians. Um, the Wonders bassist, Ethan Embry, is unnamed in the film. And in the end credits, he's credited as TB player, which is short for the bass player. And it's a joke based on the perception that bass players are often unknown and under underappreciated. But recently, um, he decided Ethan Embry has decided that he was going to name himself and his name is Toby. That's according. This is from Ethan Embry. Uh, TB is short for Toby because he's tired of having played a character who didn't have a name. It's something for him to hold on to. He said that his name is Toby, not TB. Um, <laughs> so when the wonders are playing at, at Vic Koss's show in Pittsburgh, uh, one of the other band names on the theater marquee is Marin the Lovell and the Geminis. This is a tribute to Apollo 13 astronaut Jim Lovell that Tom Hanks played in Apollo 13 um, and the NASA program in general, because obviously Tom Hanks is a big fan of, of our space program. Uh, and then 
including full versions, alternative versions, live versions of snippets. The song That Thing You Do is heard 11 times in this movie, which is something that I will, I, you know, obviously it pops up a lot during the movie. And I'm going to save the bulk of my discussion on that song for when we get to the soundtrack itself. But uh, it's just a really impressive feat that this song pops up 11 times in this movie um, for a number of reasons, which I'll get to when we get to the soundtrack. Uh, parallels with the Beatles. There were, and I didn't catch some of these. So um, the Wonders original band name, just the Oneaters, uh, the oh, Wonders, if you've never seen it, first of all, go watch it. But in the movie, they spell it O-N-E-D-E-R-S. And it's like a running joke that no one knows how to pronounce it until they finally spell it the way you would think. Uh, but that's a play on words, you know, involving nomenclature like the Beatles did with beat and beat. Um, that thing you do is a sped up version of a slow ballad. Please, please me for the Beatles. It's kind of like they're nod to please, please me. Uh, in the Beatles appearance in Meet the Beatles, there's a shot of John Lennon accompanied by the film Sorry Girls. He's married, which is why in this movie they showed Jimmy with this, uh, the uh, caption that says, be careful, girls, he's engaged. That was a nod to and that I didn't know. I had no idea um, about that with Meet the Beatles and John Lennon. Like I've seen Meet the Beatles, but I, I didn't remember that. Um, both acts reach fame after replacing their original drummer. And again, Tom Hanks obviously did all this intentionally. Like this was like, he was paralleling them to the Beatles here, except for the fact that, that, that the, you know, they're a one hit wonder and the Beatles were not a one hit wonder, but each group loses its original bass player because as you all know, Stuart Sutcliffe, the original basis for the Beatles died. And, and in this movie, um, the wonders basis joins the Marines and, uh, Last minute temporary replacement. The Wonders bassist had to be replaced after he disappeared. During the Beatles 1964 tour, drummer Jimmy Nickel had to sit in for Ringo Starr, who was undergoing an emergency tonsillectomy. So that's, and I, that one feels like a bit of a reach to me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, this is, yeah. I don't think these came directly from Tom Hanks, <laughs> but uh, the idea that they, they, one member being replaced by another person filling in is, I think, something that happens in rock a lot when somebody's like not feeling well or, or hurts themselves or something. Um, in the extended cut. Yeah, this is something. Okay. So I want to talk about this. Lauren and I are going to be talking about the theatrical version. Um, we're not talking about the director's cut because I had no idea until yesterday that there was a director's cut. And Lauren, you said you didn't realize until I asked you about it, that there was a director's cut, which is good because I yep. think we aren't talking about two different cuts here, but, um, I would love to go watch the director's cut. One of the things that they have in the director's cut, and I'm sure you'll find this interesting, is that it's shown that Mr. White, uh, Tom Hanks's character, is a boyfriend. Um, and it's Holly Long in the in the director's cut plays his boyfriend. Okay. And wow. and yeah, and uh Beatles, the Beatles manager Brian Epstein was also gay. So like that was a nod. Yeah, yeah. So um when the and this is the last one, and this is one uh, so when the wonders are running towards their cars, the part where Faye gets mistaken for a fan and she's pushed along that happened to the Beatles when they were traveling and they were getting on a train. And at the time, John Lennon's wife, Cynthia Lennon, his wife at the time was stopped because they thought she was a female fan. Unlike in the film, no one came back to retrieve Cynthia before the train left for the station. So she just got completely left behind, which is, it's horrible. I mean, you know, oh, the more you've learned about John Lennon as the years have gone on, I can't say I'm surprised really, right. um, you know, uh, great musician, very flawed person. Um, very shitty person, really. <laughs> flawed, yeah. flawed, stinky, get easy on the guy. Um, so 
Two things, la- two things to end here. There were actually two real groups named the Wonders who made record charts at various radio stations in the early 60s. One was a soul group who had a record called Please Don't Cry. And it was the B-side to that was a song called With These Hands. And this was cited in the September 1st, 1962 issue of Billboard as having a moderate sales potential, but it didn't end up becoming a hit. The flip, however, became... Uh, the, the flip side with these hands was the one that became the hit. It was played in Cedar Rapids, Iowa on KCRG in the fall of 1962. It was like a huge hit record in Iowa, huge hit song. And then the other wonders had, had a regional hit called say there with the B side called Maryland released in August of 1963. They were mixed. I, I looked both of these up. You can actually find the first one on Spotify. You can find that song on Spotify. The other one you can find on YouTube, but there were this band called, the, the the wonders they were a mixed race duop group from new york city they are recorded also as a band in 1963 called the satan's four which i was like well, what are they doing like early metal but it's still just like kind of duop and they for some reason called the, the satan's four but they had this really cool release that i found on youtube with a group called the cinnamon angels and it's actually really good but say there was a top 20 hit in columbus ohio and wcol and uh, was also a top 30 hit in pittsburgh which is kind of funny considering that's where in the movie the wonders kind of start to gain their fame pittsburgh and, and then we see them gaining fame in columbus early on but um yeah so yeah and then finally in the movie, the Wonder Song debuts at 93. They show it climb to 71 and 49 in successive weeks, and they show it on the Billboard chart, which is actually Billboard lists from 1964, but that means they had to replace songs. So the songs that were replaced on these lists were All My Love and By the Holly Ridge Strings at, at number 93, I Can't Hear You by Betty Everett at number 71, and Share Your Love With Me by Bobby Bland. So, you know, it's kind of funny. I just assumed they had made up lists, but they actually took real lists and just, like, replaced certain bands, like, uh, uh, just rewrote history, I guess. Not really, but you know what I mean? Like I figured they were just completely fictitious. Yeah, Let's- that was the that was why it was so jarring when they were like, um, like, why why is your hair so short? Do you not like the Beatles or something like that? <laughs> Stuff like that. Like, okay, this is like our universe, even though they never existed. It's just a it's a, it's odd. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I kind of wondered that last night start, and I was like, I forget from this. It's been a minute since I'd watched. I mean, not not terribly long. I watched that thing you do about every other year or so, but it's probably been two years since I watched it. You know, it's kind of due for a rewatch. And um, I couldn't remember going into it last night if the Beatles were supposed to exist in the film universe. So then, yeah, when they mentioned my name, I was like, okay, yeah, they are. I didn't know if it was like one of those where like you know we this is a completely fictional you know it's that that movie yesterday that i've never seen where the beatles never existed the uh <laughs> danny boyle movie that he made um but no they they oh my gosh i forgot about that i never saw it but i remember yeah i remember hearing about it i think most people kind of forgot about that one by <laughs> i like danny boyle a lot but it's kind of recent that's so weird yeah, like, it just, well, 10 years recent, something like that. Who knows? I think it's only like, you know, the thing is time has gone. So time seems like it's one year feels like two years since like about 2016 for, for whatever, for whatever reason, since 2016 feels like time has like, like, even though time seems like it's flying still, when I look back on it, I'm like, that was only like five years ago. It feels like it was 20. You know what I mean? Um, And that's I feel so like, I, I feel like that's the case with, 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 uh, 
yesterday. I feel like it, I bet if we looked it up right now, I'm going to look at some point when 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 I have a chance to pull up my phone here. Uh, I would be willing to bet that it would be both surprised to see that it was like 2017 or something like that, like way more recent than both of us are thinking. But uh, it could be because lately I had been adding more years onto what I assumed it it was because I used to say like, oh, that was five years ago and it was like 12. So like I'm always trying to like give myself a little handicap because I always don't, I usually don't say enough years. So I, I pretty much just like said a number of years and then added through well, some more years on top of that well here just so you know you added it was it was 2019 is when that came out so it was way more recent i was like oh my god yeah so really um, well okay let's talk about that thing you do let's talk about okay. the movie itself so um first of all really great opening with the 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 way it builds the era that the movie takes place like the sort of town that it takes place in like that small town midwest Mom and pop down. I mean, there are still towns that look like that in Ohio. Most of the stores are closed down. Like you go through like a Shelby, Ohio or something like that. And it's like, they still have that sort of storefront downtown, but half the places aren't open anymore. I mean, my town kind of had a downtown like that growing up. Um, and, and obviously the song helps uh, with building the Tom, Tom Hanks's song in this helps establish like, you you see this and you're like you kind of know like you might not know it's like specifically 1964 but you're like this is sometime in the 60s that we're we're starting off here and uh we get we get that scene you know we get guy we meet guy working in the small mom and pop appliance store and honestly like like i said stores like that existed all the way up until i mean into my childhood places like that existed um and they still there are still a couple of mom and pop appliance stores here in town honestly it's like uh furniture stores and stuff like that they're one of those ones where you've got the old timers who like they'll always go there and and not to your big box stores um that kind of keep those places afloat but i feel like that's a, a rarity anymore to have places like that. And yeah, and I I love how heavily the dad character contributes to the vibe. Just like all the all the super like in that time frame things he says, like traditional like sixties dad. All his little phrases are crazy. Where he's like, "You'll never catch I, people working on a Sunday." What's this world coming to? You know, what I mean? <laughs> it is. It's the dad from Donnie Darko too. So uh, yeah. Oh my God, they, the same actor? Yeah, yeah. I knew yeah. he looked super familiar, but I, yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, and he's, but we see, you know, guys working there and we see his real goal when he pulls out his drum kit in the basement. And like, I'm not a, I'm not a drummer, but one of the things that I was looking at too, I didn't include it in my trivia, but in the movie, they're using period accurate, now it, when the movie starts and they're like practicing and, and before they hit it big, they're using basically period specific and accurate versions of like what people who were just kind of like hobbyist guitarists and drummers would have done mm -hmm. or would have been using. You know what I mean? That's um, awesome. I love that yeah. attention to detail. I didn't, I didn't notice, but that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. And, and then once they break big, they also stuck with like what bands at that time would have been using once they had the money to afford, like, I'm going to get myself a great drum kit. I'm going to get myself a great guitar. Um, so yeah, I just, I, and again, like I, I'm not a drummer, so I, I would have, or, or guitar player or anything. So I don't notice those things, but it's cool to sound like you. I like, I didn't notice it, but like, I love that sort of attention to detail. And, uh, and we, we, you know, and we kind of see guy's character, like he's more, 
not character, but sort of where his head's at, you know, like he, he, he down there practicing, but left the sign on and he gets called mm-hmm. by his dad and yelled at because there's customers at the door thinking that it's open and calling him and asking why the lights are on. Cause they want to get something. And, uh, you know, guys got other plans than being, I mean, right there, you've established like guy has bigger goals than taking over his dad's appliance store. That is not what he wants to do with his life. Um, but we meet the, the, the band and, and well, what become, what will become the band. And, and I love, so I am so, I said something about four years ago on Twitter and I couldn't believe the reaction it got where I was like, let's bring back putting Steve's on in every movie. And like, he, I love Steve's on and he's so like, I said, he does so many funny things with his facial expressions alone in this movie. Like he is Lenny. Um, he is, I was, that was a point I was going to make too. He was, so I would never want to be friends with Lenny because like <laughs> he is the butt, you are the butt of his joke. Like if he even so much as looks at you, <laughs> but um, it's like, I, I think I was like, I love how in the beginning he's like, um, he seems kind of dopey, but then as his, as it progresses and he reacts to more and more things, he's just like, he's messing with everybody with everything. He says like when Jimmy's like suggesting all these like band names with that, like have double meaning or whatever. He's like, I don't get it. Like he's just messing (laughs) with him. But at the time I'm like, I thought he really didn't get it. But later it's just like literally every interaction. He's just full of shit. (laughs) Right. It's awesome. Right, he comes the and you're right, he kind of rope a dopes you because he plays because yeah. Steve Zahn plays a dopey character so well, yes. But like once he starts like throwing these barbs at people later on and kind of like giving people shit, it's like, oh, he's really quick witted, actually. Like, he uh-huh. the, his his big Achilles heel that all he wants in this world is a wife, you know, like <laughs> that's his he's, he's so <laughs> obsessed with the idea of like, I want, I just he's he just wants love, it's not even Achilles, it's it's just he wants he wants love, that's all he wants is 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 someone to love him. Um, yep. that that's, that's his, his Achilles heel in life. But, uh, you know what? I want to talk about this before we even, cause I don't even know where I would wedge this into the conversation, but one of the things I want to talk about, about this movie, and this is like part of why I love this movie so much. Um, and even like, there are very few poor reviews for it. Like, I think it's like a 95% on rotten tomatoes or something. It's high, oh, or high good. 80. Um, and the only person who seemed to get it was Roger Ebert in this in this regard even a lot of the positive reviews or even on letterboxd like my friends on letterboxd the i don't see any bad reviews for it but most of them are like it's sort of a slight movie there's not a lot of high stakes ebert understands and and it's one of the things that i love about this movie is that it's not like i don't look we have you could you could go out and watch a hundred movies that hit the same and this movie kind of hits a lot of those same beats that these movies hit where it's like band gets together there's inner turmoil uh you know uh, the the and this one doesn't go the evil woman route thankfully with like Faye. you know what i mean but a lot of them have like the woman who gets in the way and and um is is a causing problems with the band and 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 then the, the, the subsequent breakup and maybe the reuniting and like this movie hits a lot of those beats but at no point does it ever feel like heavy serious drama and i love that about it because it's a joyful little movie. And that's like one of the things Ebert brings up is that like, yeah, it's low stakes, but who cares? It's not about that. It's about like remembering nostalgia and fondly remembering like a time and a place that is fun. And that's not the point of this movie. And it's like, I don't care that it's slight. I've seen people say that before, but to me, that's the movie's strength. I think it it's breezy and fun for that reason. Um, it, it's so funny that you say the word joyful, like that popped in my head multiple times. 
Um, there have been so many movies I've watched too. Like again, like you said, there are so many movies with similar beats, similar stories. I mean, they even make like uh, those parodies of like you know musical you know stories of someone like coming up from nothing and you've seen it so many times but like every time when they like they hear their song on the radio or they move all the way up in the billboard charts like you know whatever i can't remember what it was something monumentous like nobody's moved like up this high like in this time frame or something like that and they're screaming and jumping up and down and it's like you again it's like it's happened before i've seen it before but like i get like goosebumps like i i really feel like what they're feeling when they're that excited and it's like i don't know why i was like i don't know if it was like the mood i was in but i, I was just like really feeling the <laughs> whatever the joy or the excitement with them like to a crazy degree oh when phase like running down the street to the appliance yeah. store and like everybody comes in and like and, and and of course it's like they 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 temper it a little bit by his dad just being so pissed watching this happen in the background everyone's running in the store which is also very funny but like if you're not like grinning from ear to ear during that scene like you're you're, you're fucking dead inside like it's like <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry to tell you that, but um, you need to you need to go talk to a doctor because there's something wrong with you it, it, that 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 medicine might not be able to fix. <laughs> yeah, that that scene was awesome. And That's then great. you see the mom in the background, and she's like, you know, calling everyone, covering her ears, like, "Are you listening?" Yeah, and the yeah. sister just shrugging. It's great, just how it just one after another comes running into the appliance store. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they all just find each other <laughs> magically. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, so they they guy comes in, they establish that guy was the drum to back to where we were at here that he I just wanted to get that out of the way too. or like, I, I don't understand that as a complaint about this movie, even amongst people who like it, like, it's fine to have a movie that doesn't necessarily want to like, blow your mind with its worldview. Who gives a shit? Sometimes movies are there just to escape. And this is like the perfect movie to put on. If you're like having a shit day. I can't think of a better movie to be like, I want to be in a good mood. I'm going to watch that thing you do. Like, like it's yeah. perfect for that. Agreed. Um, but yeah, so we thought, you know, they established the guy was a drummer. The, uh, the the rest of the band, the Wonders, who would become the Wonders, you know, they know he was a drummer for another local band. It's kind of funny how they shit on that band that he was in. <laughs> when oh, he's yeah, and he's sitting right there. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Chad breaks his arm hilariously and, and it leaves them without a drummer. So, Jimmy and Lenny come and ask Guy to fill in. And I love how you can already see in that scene, Jimmy being the leader. Like you see what's going to become Jimmy's personality as like the, I'm the one in charge here because he asks if he still plays drum. And Lenny's like, I already told you he did. You know what I mean? Like, but he has to hear it for himself. Like he has to be the one who comes in and like, hears this directly from him as the leader of the band. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. it's a very subtle way to do it, but uh, and I like guy holding them hostage by like, I'll only do it if you buy stuff from my dad's shop. And I love how Lenny tries for like a second to object. He's like, oh, come on. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. We'll buy it. Um, and it, it's okay. So what I'm always fascinated with, like, and I tried to find actually, I'll get to the story behind the title song when we obviously talk about the song, how it came to be. But I tried to find like the original Adam Schlesinger demo and I'm blanking. God damn it. Why am I, like, it's down in my notes. Anyway, the, the guy that he always writes with, I can't think of his name and I'm sorry for blanking on his name. But anyway, you know that he wrote the song with, I tried to find like an early demo version of like the version that they sent to be made in the movie. But I love, you know, finding old demos. And it's kind of funny how in this movie, it plays it out. Like you're hearing early demos. Like you hear the slowed version that they play at the first one, you know, you get the really slow one and everybody just looks super, super bored playing it. Um, 
but it's kind of that it's how the sausage is made when it comes to music you know no it's very rare that especially when you're talking about like a small local band you know what i mean a band who's like kind of just finding their rhythm that like a song comes fully formed on the first play you know and and I, I like that there is that little bit of like, okay, well, here's the, the seed of what this song is going to sound like at some point. And um, it doesn't just jump right into like the sugar rush that you get when you hear the real song for the first time. But he says wonders, which gives Faye the idea for the name. And of course, it's spelled. I love it, it, The joke never gets old either early on with everybody pronouncing it wrong. And they just kind of go along with it eventually. Like they're trying to like. Um, you know, it's the own eaters, it's the wonders, and then they eventually just kind of like, Yeah, we're the own eaters. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love at the at Villa Pianos when the guy is, says own eaters and he's like, and Lenny's like, hey, it's own eaters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> uh, and the I, and, and again, some of the things that this movie gets, there's a couple things that I'll get to, but like where it just feels real. And one of those is that great local count talent competition, like the host. And I love when the host loses his temper at the guy in the front row. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and the lady gauging the applause, like it's literally perfect, like small town, like high school production value, <laughs> like yes. local talent shows. I, and I actually always forget. There's a couple people in this movie that I always forget are in it. One of those is, I forget that Charlie Theron is even in this movie um, as Tina, because it's such a, like a a short role that she's in, but I always forget that. Yeah. She she's in this movie, but she, yeah, you know, she's there um, as the sort of attentive girlfriend for guy at the time. But you, even then you can kind of see that like, this is even if you've not seen a million movies with a character like Faye and a character like guy in these beats, you would know that like by the end of this movie, Tina and guy are not going to be together. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and uh, but yeah, so when they start the song, guy jumps in with a really fast tempo, and and you know there's all that confusion, but it works. The crowd's into it. Lenny's into it. You got the two naysayers, Chad, who's on the sidelines complaining, and I love that too. Where he's like, "No, man, it's too fast. You're going too fast." As he's standing there with his arm in the sling, is like, and then that guy bumps into him. It's just like the worst night of Chad's life watching <laughs> this happen. Um, but the other person, yeah. <laughs> the other person who doesn't like it is is Jimmy. Jimmy's pissed. Um, and again, I like this version because it's kind of the one where they find the way to the sound of the song that we all know and love at this point, you know, like it's not, again, not fully formed. It's kind of like this hybrid of that slow version until the rest of the band catches up. And it's not even until probably the last like minute or so that it sounds like the version that we know. So again, it's just that cool, even though it's a fictional band in the movie, you kind of feel like you're watching this band create this song in real time. And uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like the it's like a small version of just this make the making of the band is like where they came from and then yeah. where they just shoot straight up to so quickly. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. so cool. Um, and they win the competition and uh, and a paying gig at the local pizza place by the airport, uh, <laughs> Bolivianos. And I love how they're so excited. And then it just immediately cuts to the gig, which is like the least glamorous thing. And like Lenny looking up at the sky as you can hear airplanes flying overhead. And uh, one of the funniest jokes in the movies when the song ends and Lenny's like, uh, table 17, your pizza is ready. Like it is <laughs> such a funny, 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 funny bit. Um, but they eventually break into that thing you do and it goes over really well. It causes like a riot in the pizza place, but, um, the owner is not mad. He's impressed and he wants them to become like their house band. Now, the thing is, 
there's a couple times that this movie again does things that you don't usually see because you'd think that the owner of Villavianos is going to be none of the people who kind of take them under their wing in this movie are villains. That's one of the weird things that this movie does. Cause typically there's some manager who's going to fuck the band over, you know what I mean? Or some guy who's using them, but like he pays them for 1964. That's a whole stack of hundreds that he hands them. You know what I mean? Like he didn't like toss them like $18 in a pizza and be like, here's your pay or some shit that you'd see in other movies. You know what I mean? Pick what you get. You're going to like it. Like, uh, that's a good point. Wonder if he was doing something out the back door to be able to afford the. I know. Fan that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but their fan and I forget the guy that gets yelled at. I can't think of the actor's name, but the guy who does the the really famous Aaron Burr commercial, the Got Milk commercial, or 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 also Roach and the People Under the Stairs. Um, oh yeah, I don't know his name either. <laughs> yeah, I know who you mean. <laughs> he's their he's their number one fan in town, and he wants them to make the record, and they decide to. And so they get what I love how they get one taken. It's just like, okay, that's it. You're done. And it's Chris Isaac too. Who's doing the cameo in his little cameo in the movie is, uh, is it guy's uncle, uncle Bob? Is he guy's uncle in the movie? I forget whose uncle he is. He's one of the bandmates uncles and he gets them like enough studio time to record one take of two different songs. I think so. But then I was, I didn't know whether it was guy's uncle or if he just called him uncle Bob, but I mean, I'm probably overcomplicating it. No, you, yeah. might be, you might be right. I guess I hadn't thought about that. It might not actually be. And the funny thing is, too, like as much of a joke as that is, like I, I'm a must, I'm as, enough of like a, a a music nerd and like a, a regional scene music nerd to know that like there are tons of these out there where some band has like 145 floating around out there. It's like one song and a and a beat. Well, I talked about them earlier with the Wonders bands that I was talking. The other Wonders bands that I was talking about. You know what I mean? They had 145 for their big single that was supposed to make them big. And then the flip side has a B side on it. There are so many of those floating around probably in like various antique shops and record stores or, or somebody's closet somewhere. Um, it's one of those really fascinating things to me with music. And it's one of the reasons that I constantly dig when I go to, it's like an antique warehouse here. And I will literally every time spend like two hours looking at the vinyls that they have at the various stop shops, because you never know when you're going to find some little gem like that, but you know, it seems ridiculous. It's kind of played for laughs. Like you get one take, but like that, that's, that's fairly realistic for how a lot of the stuff worked with regional bands in the sixties, trying to make it big. Um, it is just a nice little touch, you know, like it's not, cause like I said, it both works as a joke, but if you know anything about how music work, that the, the wonders are a story as old as time in music, you know, like they, they even say bands come and go. This is a, this is a thing that happens. Like you are, you are one and you will not be the last. Um, but yeah, we see guy at the next show talking to some girl before, which again, um, I mean, I don't think, I don't think they necessarily make Tina out to be a villain in this movie either, because like Lenny's or guys flirt with some girl at the next show. So it's not like he's a saint either in this relationship. You know what I mean? Like, and I, yeah, and again, that's a good thing. Like it, cause it'd be really easy to be like the evil woman who broke guy, guy's heart, you know, like you see in a lot of these, um, it doesn't go that route. Um, she just found a more viable option. Like you got a, you got a guy who is kind of annoying, probably sometimes, as you said in your story, who who has this dream of music, but just like that's such a long shot dream, and you want to be supportive, but like also you meet some handsome dentist who like has the <laughs> shit together. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's already got it all figured out, type of thing. Yeah, yeah, it it did feel like you know Tina and Guy, like for both of them, they just don't know what it's what what it's like to be with the person they're really meant to be with and they're not for each other but they have no idea because they have no 
I mean, I'm sure they have some basis for comparison, but you know, it sounds like she was meant to be with this Dennis guy and he's meant to be with Faye. So they're just kind of two ships passing in the night thinking they belong. I don't know, not even questioning whether they actually belong together. And the thing is, which like, look, I teach high school. I see high school. You know what I mean? You don't have no idea how many times all have students come up to me and like, the whatever significant other broke up with them and they're like oh and i'm like look i don't there's like no nice way to say this but like the person you're dating when you're 17 is not the person you're gonna marry and i know like it sucks for you right now but like <laughs> like it's very rare that you marry your high school sweetheart like yep. um this is going to happen at some point in your life like and it's like the nicest advice i can give them like I, I, you know, it sucks. I'm sorry. But like, that's how it is in high school, though. It's like the most important person in the world to you, but not really. You're like 16, 17. You don't know what you're. And I realized that guys, not like a high school student, but it's still that sort of like they haven't left their, they still have that mentality. Like they're, they're, I don't know how old he's supposed to be in this. Probably what, 20? Um, yeah. They're probably still, yeah. They, they come off as pretty young. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like so, the Beatles were when they hit it big. They were super right. young. And you've never left your small hometown. Like, this is all you know. You know what I mean? Like, this is the person for me. And, like, that's usually not the case. Um, so, but, yeah. Th- and that's why, like, I good. They don't make any. I wish we would have gotten a bit of a, a, a what happened to Tina in the epilogue where it tells what happened to everybody. That would have been nice to get. Maybe it's in the director's cut. I don't know. Maybe there's more about Tina in the director's cut. This is why I need to check out the director's cut. That would but, be um, cool. Yeah. And it would be humorous just to have her, like, last or something, especially after. <laughs> poor Lenny but <laughs> how he ended up I know he, I know it's almost single. like it almost feels mean-spirited that that poor Lenny ends up being single in the end uh, I know he was like I'm so happy like yeah he was like crying <laughs> handing out uh handing out gambling chips or whatever they're what are they even called chips <laughs> yeah chip, chip yeah um but yeah, Lenny's the one who comes up actually and stops Guy from hitting on that girl. But not, and it's funny because at first it's like, well, maybe Lenny, but Lenny just wants to hit on her himself. Like he just yes. wants to move in on herself. But, and I, you know, one of the things I like here is that we do hear more of the songs beside this ti- besides the title track. Um, because the rest of this album, as we'll get to when we get there, is great. But it would have been, like they could have had, we hear like, and when I say that, obviously you're going to hear more songs than just the title track. But like, we hear significant portions of some of these songs you know what i mean like it would have been easy to have like a, a 10 second or a montage where they're playing some of their other songs but like yeah it's good that we get more of those because it's got it makes the again it makes it feel more more realistic more fully fleshed out and and again the songs as we'll get to are very good but um they're selling a bunch of records and then this mysterious older guy comes up and he asks if they're selling a lot he comes up to the table with Faye and asks if they're selling a lot and he's like well i'm gonna take one and uh yeah, this is where, like, as this is going on, we cut to Guy's dad freaking out about the steamrolling train of capitalism. Like, stores open on Sundays. People use people can't even shine their own shoes anymore. They've got shoe machi- or shoe shiners, and uh, you know, he's not a guy who's he's a guy who closed his shop down in like 1975. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he couldn't last with those principles. <laughs> right, right. Um, but the, that mystery guy shows up, turns out to be Phil is his name. And he takes, and again, this feels like the kind of character who, when he shows up in a movie, he is going to fuck this band over. Exactly. You know I mean? But he's so kind. Yes. <laughs> he's the nicest guy. And he's in that like camper. Right. Like, that's, that's where I like, it especially feels like this guy is like, he's like, a uh, like, um, like a Troy McClure character, like a Simpson, like a shyster on the Simpsons. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a Troy McClure or Dr. Nick or something. He's like that type of character, but no. Like, like you said, he's genuinely sweet and kind to them. Like he wants to make them, he wants to, I mean, obviously he's, 
he's benefiting too, but like he cares about these kids, you know? Um, and he's trying to take them on in his camper. Like, how do you even have that many ingredients in your camper? Maybe it's all canned or something. (laughs) That stew looks damn good. I'm not going to lie. That stew that he's making looks, I would have, I would have had stew. Quite the cook. Yeah. (laughs) The Renaissance man, I swear. (laughs) Uh, And I love, I love when they're in the camper too. Steve Zahn, again, is so funny when he reacts to Jimmy saying he doesn't want to just sell his music off. Like Steve Zahn gives such a funny, like, are you fucking kidding me reaction like quick go over yourself sort of reaction um but he he follows he follows through he tells him he can get the song on the radio and and as i was saying earlier phase reaction touches into why i love this movie so much like we said it's just pure joy just like this movie and um you know like i said everybody showing up the bass player uh storming the store the whole band just showing up and uh him calling tina who does not care that it's on the radio because she just met that dentist. And there's yep. that really, that really awkward goodbye when he says the Spartacus thing again, and she just hangs up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I definitely had to include that in the story. Cause that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. He's just kind of like, hello, hello. After she's gone. <laughs> um, and they get that big showcase concert in Pittsburgh hosted by Kevin Pollack, who's the perfect guy to be like that kind of host for this sort of showcase. You know what I mean? Like he's, He's just smoking the whole time. He's kind of acerbic. He's an asshole. He doesn't care about any of these bands. He just wants to like look good himself and get this thing over with. Like it's really funny. Um, yeah. I love when he's doing those vocal warm ups, and I don't know if it like it's his wife or his assistant who he like forces her to give him a, a massage to get ready. For the, yeah, <laughs> for the show, and she's just looking like, "Do I really have to do this? I'm not into <laughs> this at all." <laughs> and uh, and it's disastrous. The sound is all messed up. They get booed off the stage. And God, when Phil, I, another line that cracked me up, just, I forget things about this. When Phil is trying to cheer guy up and he's like, you know what you need? You need to sample the exotic cuisine of the Far East as they walk into like your like typical American Chinese restaurant. Yeah, um, that was awesome. And he, he takes him in to meet Mr. White, Tom Hanks. And again, this movie plays with, you don't know. You don't know until kind of, I think, his conversation with Faye, whether or not you can trust Mr. White. Until you see how kind and fatherly he is with Faye. Yep. Because he's still very much business. You know what I mean? He's good to them, but he is a businessman through and through. You know what I mean? Like, so like sometimes he comes off as like he does not give a shit about these guys, but he just cares about he knows how to make money off of these guys and make these guys money. And make them uh, listen too. I mean, just just make sure that he's like, you know, we they know he's like leadership. It's also very funny that he's he's uh Elvis's manager in that new Elvis movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very different character. Right, right, right. It's like a dry run for that. Um, but yeah, he 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 loves their song and he wants them to sign to his Playtones label. And uh I love when guys resist it and Phil's like, hey, they have a tour playing state fairs, which is like now like <laughs> um although you know what I think state fairs have come back around. I'm only saying that because Third Eye Blind just played the Ohio State Fair and I love Third Eye Blind and I was like I might go to the oh, Ohio cool. State Fair to watch Third Eye Blind play. I didn't make it but uh the that band signs me what was that? Oh I'm sorry that brings me back. <laughs> oh Third I mean I'm you, I mean I love I love I look the Third Eye Blind's like first two albums are like the soundtracks of like every summer of my life. <laughs> like oh cool. You know it's yeah, it brings me right back to high school and yeah it's uh good great, stuff. Great, 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 great band. Um but yeah, so they change their name to normal spelling, they beatles them up a little bit, matching clothes, etc. Um 
and and Embry tells them, or TB says he's joining Marines and they're going to be with them till August. And uh, White's the one who makes the call for Faye to come along, gives guy the sunglasses. Um, and I love another scene that I love too is is seeing these supposed to be like small town kids all of a sudden thrust into the limelight and them at the state fair meeting their idols and Lenny oversharing with Diane. Like you, how does he say it? You were like my first girl boy moment or something like that. Where like, I think he's implying that like, she's like, it could be his first crush, but it could also be, be misconstrued by her that he meant creepy. Yes. Cause she's kind of like, okay, that's nice to hear. And then gets the fuck out of there. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. There are a few of those moments where just like, they're like, why the hell are you talking to me? Like period or about this. <laughs> The best is awesome. when Jimmy goes up and tries to talk to that Saul guy during his lunch is one of my, because Jimmy's such a piece of shit. <laughs> I hate Jimmy. He's the worst. He's the, he's the villain. He's the villain of the movie. He is. <laughs> he's such a shit. Um, yeah. And he's, he's got like, that guy's got mustard all over his face. Yeah. He's, he's like, why are you <laughs> he's bothering me on my lunch. What are you doing? <laughs> Um, but, and there's there's lines that again they're funny in 2023, but and I'm pr- probably funny in 1996 when they were writing script. But like also when they're like the second biggest DJ in Columbus is there. But like it's funny to hear it said the second biggest DJ in Columbus. But like also that would be a big deal for like a regional band trying to make it big. You know what I mean? Like, um. And guy always has to wear the sunglasses because white is pure business and the show goes well. And that's where we start to see them climb the charts. They're touring to larger and larger crowds. And I like how they have that montage during that where it's shot like something from like Hard Day's Night or the Monkey TV show where there's like Pratt Falls and like them running around over the map. And um, I yeah, was love- that to like, wasn't that a Dick Dale song or something that was playing in the background too? Yes. It sounded like it. I, yeah. Uh, and and cool. Jim, yeah, it's 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 a great, you know, like I said, everything in this movie does kind of touches so well on the period that you're watching in ways that, but again, and not in ways that it's like winking and nodding, like do you get this reference, you know what I mean? Like it's uh-huh. just, it's very natural. Uh, but we see Jimmy getting close to Diane Dane as as they're climbing the charts, and so that thing you do hits number seven. Mister White wants them to go to Los Angeles and capitalize on this, which again, this is the kind of shit you had to do back then, like because you can easily get left behind. And speaking of getting left behind, that's the scene coming up where Faye, as they're going to Los Angeles, gets left behind. And who's the one that comes back and gets her? Not Jimmy, not her boyfriend. <laughs> um, it's Guy, who's also the one who's there for her almond she's sick on the plane. So again, you see where this is all going by the end. You know what I mean? For sure. But I love to, like you're talking about Mr. White. I love how he's pulling the strings with... Um with Faye and um, Guy. Mm-hmm. He sees that he sees early on Jimmy's kind of a piece of shit. And right. Probably be better together. Right. It's like, I think right pretty much right before Faye gets sick is when Mr. White starts like, you know, kind of uh, trying to make suggestions. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. hey, you guys should uh, look out for each other because no one else is. Right. Yeah. Asks long time about Jimmy and why Guy's single. Like that kind of question. Well, why is Guy single? Yeah. Um. But Jimmy's getting antsy, you know, as he's now he's becoming like the the egotistical leader. He wants to make more music, not, you know, wants to be. And White wants him to be in a movie and TV for and on TV first. So, and I love goddamn Lenny making all that noise with the candy on the plane where he's unwrapping the wrapper and he's just like <laughs> infuriating Mister White who just wants to sleep. And then he just chomps the shit out of it. And he's like, okay, Lenny, get out of here, please. <laughs> he's like, go visit the cockpit. Tell them it's your birthday. Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. 
Um, and the movie that they're in is so funny. Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack shooters. Like, yeah. And Jimmy's just so pissed. Uh, you know who plays the director in that movie, right? In the fictional movie. It's Jonathan Demi, the director of Silence of the Lambs. Oh, my God. Yeah, I definitely did not. That is awesome. I did not recognize that. Yeah. There's some great, like I said, there's great cameras in this. Another one coming up. Clint Howard is the radio. Perfect radio. Like, you know, and this isn't a knock on Clint Howard, but, you know, there's always like face for radio, voice for face for TV, voice for radio thing. Clint Howard is the perfect radio guy. You know what I mean? Like he is like, he's got a voice for radio. Um, And I'm saying that, look, I love Clint Howard and he's made a hell of a career, but every movie he's in, he plays like the weird guy. You know what I'm saying? That's like what he's made a career doing is playing. I can't. I can't remember what I've seen him in, but I, I still agree. Cause like, I know, I know his face. Oh, he's I, yeah. Horror movie. He's been in a bunch of horror movies. He was in, um, or ice cream man. He was in evil speak arrested. He's he's Ron Howard's brother. Um, uh, oh my God. The, yeah. Yeah. If you, you can see it, if you look at it, like if you look at the two of you, be like, Oh yeah, I see it now, but apart, you really don't. Um, but yeah, Lenny won't take any of the shit seriously either when they're on radio tours. He just keeps making jokes like when he when they ask who influenced the band and he's like, uh, Captain Beat and the Shrimp Jack Shooter. Like, it's just like, this is again where you start to see Lenny being Lenny, not like a dope, but like he's very funny. Yes, one of my favorites is that same scene, like the when you said he said that Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters, he starts telling a story, and he cracks himself up so hard mid-story, which, by the way, is the, a total random story, nothing that, that like the audience would want to hear, and yeah. then he just stops himself and starts laughing so hard, and he just doesn't even finish his sentence, <laughs> and then Mr. White's over there rolling his eyes like, oh my god, this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favorite Lenny moments, honestly. <laughs> um, and, well, and this is and this is where so we start to things start to unravel coming up. I mean, this is like this it starts to unravel with the TV appearance, but like it's starting here because Lenny, who's just wanted a girlfriend the whole movie, meets a girl. Um, Jimmy fucks up the whole everything by bothering Saul during lunch. Talks about Diane in front of Faye. Jimmy wants to be a capital A artist. Um, you know. Lenny's girl comes and picks him up. Faye still trying to defend Jimmy. I love her defense is basically like he was a gifted kid, which is that like everyone makes fun of that defense now. Like he was a gifted kid, you know, like that insufferable defense. Uh, And TB is like really into the Marines thing. Like he's trying to do pushups to impress those Marines at the the restaurant. Um, You know, and guy's the only one who's like focused on music. He goes off to a jazz bar, which is like a safe place. He's a jazz guy. And uh, that's where we meet Marguerite, Rita Wilson, and she informs him that Del Paxton is there, his idol. He's talked about him a few times in the movie. And she introduces them. And I love how nervous he is when he first sits. He's just talking a mile a minute. And then he ends it by slowly saying, you are my biggest fan. Like, that's a really <laughs> funny club. Um, that was so cute. But for his part, I love the relationship between guy and Dell. Like Dell gives him really good advice. Bands come and go, man. You've just got to keep playing. Lots of things, lots of things break bands up. Watch your money and you'll land on your feet when it happens. Like that is like the, the best advice you could give a young musician. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um but but he gets really drunk and he gets woken up hungover later than he was supposed to by White who tells him that that the bass player is missing. Everything's a disaster. Um, they're they're supposed to be on TV. Jimmy's sick. Lenny's new girlfriend's there. He's distracted. Uh, so they get that replacement bass player by the name the Wolfman. And I, that one of the another one of those really funny parts is when they're like, "Can you do the bass part?" And he says, "I think I can handle it, Junior." And then he plucks the bass strings for like, is just really funny to me. And the most effective his name's the Wolfman. Like that whole character is so funny. Yeah. Um, 
just just great shit. I feel like they nailed so many like little things. Like when I when I write, it's like there are certain things there. It's almost a placeholder. Like, all right, this guy needs to have like a really snappy name, or like this this guy needs to say something really goofy or like funny. And it's like every time it seems like they nail it. Like Wolfman is such a cool exactly. It's such a cool name for like some random bass player nobody knows, but he's like just a what do you call? I don't. Um, a career musician or whatever and he'll just jump in for any band um it's just the coolest thing it's perfect well and the thing is i think i can handle it junior followed by that bass solo is funny but it's also like something that i could see like an old man having a kid asking that question would say like listen here kid of course i can handle this you know what i mean yeah Um, exactly and some (laughs) of these things too is really funny to picture like if that happened in real life like for someone really to just do this like impromptu solo if someone asks if you're any good it's like (laughs) it would be so weird in real life what do you think yeah (laughs) Yeah, uh you'd be like what's wrong with this guy Um, so they get the TV spot and I love when they show guys family watching on TV because up to this point, they didn't seem to really give a shit that their son was beginning be, being in a famous band, especially the dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, so when seeing them into it and then I always forget another one I always forget is that Brian Cranston is in this movie. I oh always, my God, the NASA guy, right? Yes. I didn't know that at all until I saw, I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and their stage setup during their performance on TV is really, really cool. Like, I love the way the like their Wonders logo looks behind them. Like, it really is. It's a cool, like, if I saw a band playing with that stage setup, I'd be like, that's a neat stage setup. Um, yeah. Guy doing the Spartacus line one last time to a Lenny who's completely confused by it. He's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they give that genuinely great performance. But Jimmy's caption, where we see that careful girls, he's engaged. And and you see him give that reaction that he is not happy. And uh, the performance ends, and I also love they show Guy's dad getting the lyrics to the song completely wrong as he's singing along, like supposed to be singing the song after it's over. Like he's just not anywhere. He knows the gist of it, that it's called That Thing You Do, but that's the only thing he's getting right. <laughs> he didn't catch that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's not the lyrics. Uh, but Jimmy is just furious with Faye about that caption because Jimmy, as we said, is the worst just the worst Uh, but Faye does the right thing and she dumps him in front of everyone which makes it so much better like it's It's so satisfying (laughs) yeah it is because and Liv Tyler does the really good like sad doe-eyed thing you know what I mean like she looks so sad in that scene and it's so great when she fucks she just like lets Jimmy have it and and she doesn't like she doesn't raise her voice she just says the most, you know, I wasted all of these kisses on you and I wish that I had not closed my eyes and kiss so I could see who you really are. Like, it's awesome. That's a good line. Yeah, absolutely. Especially <laughs> that ending line. Yeah. And, 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 and again, like I said, I like White's relationship with Faye in this movie. Like, he really cares about Faye. And like, he is, like, he calls him classless. He's like, you're classless to, to Jimmy afterwards. And then. This is where Jimmy starts to become a tyrant, though. They record song. He wants to record his songs and no one else's. And uh, White tells him, you know, not in the contract. And Jimmy does that. Now, I love Jimmy's quitting of the band is very funny. Like he does that jazzy. I, I quit. I quit. And he gets out of there. And That's very uh, quotable. Yeah, oh, I forgot to mention, too, that when after Faye's like beautiful, wonderful speech and like you're like, this person is amazing. And I'm so glad she did this. He just goes, I should have dumped you in Pittsburgh. Like, what an asshole. <laughs> right. But he does it after yeah, she's out of the room. Yes. Like a coward. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, so and Lenny's missing because he's off getting married. And so basically 
that's it. He, they're in breach of contract. And White doesn't say it like no hard feelings, kid. Like it happens, man. But like you're, you're one hit wonders now. Like the band's done. Um, the wonders are done. And, uh, but he kind of tells him like, hang on the studio. But like, again, gives him that nudge to like, you should, you should go check on Faye. You know what I mean? Like, and, uh, guy hangs around the studio for a few minutes. Dell shows up. Um, hears him playing, says he's good. I want to jam with you. And, uh, were they insinuating that when he said to hang around the studio, do you think he sent Del Paxton in there or like had him recording at the same time? Oh. Like, hey, check out Studio B or whatever studio they were in. I wonder that. Maybe they did. Um, I, that's just something I hadn't thought about. Yeah, um, I didn't think about it till you were just till you were kind of like walking through that part. And then I was like, wait, <laughs> but no, I have no idea for real. If that was, you know, I feel like that absolutely would naturally fit in there. And, uh, Guy comes and tells Faye that he's going to stay in L.A. and record with Dell. And Faye says she's going back to Erie. And they kind of dance around saying their feelings for one another. And they go their separate ways. And, you know, watching this for the first time, it could it could have gone either way. But this is not that kind of movie. You know what I mean? It could have been that where, like, they don't they don't end up together. But uh, mm-hmm. this isn't that movie. Guy follows her to the car and they finally kiss. And um, and we get that epilogue where Jimmy had another unsuccessful band. He's a producer now. TB served in Nam, got a Purple Heart, works in construction. Lenny manages a hotel. He's single. <laughs> Little kicker that he's still single. And uh, Guy and Faye married, had four kids, and he teaches jazz composition at his own conservatory. So really, nobody gets like a... I mean, even Jimmy... Like, Jimmy Jimmy did fine for himself. If he's a music producer, he's doing fine. You know, he never had that fame again. But even Jimmy doesn't get, like, punished. Um... Lenny's the closest one to getting punished because all he wanted was a girlfriend and he's still single, but he's still doing well. Hi, everyone. He's managing a So I'm back with another and, Patreon um, pitch, but something's changed this know, time. Everybody gets So I've been saying since the start of the Patreon yeah, that know, this is basically what's going to help keep this they, show going. Always have that and for people who remember, might like be sitting on the fence, I have something exciting. Patreon picked me as part of a test group to try a free trial. So if you're someone who's been debating whether or not to get signed up, it's a good ending for www.patreon.com forward slash soundtrack where you'll Find my three dollar tier, my six dollar tier, tier, my eight dollar story of a one hit wonder. The three dollar tier comes with a fourteen day free trial. There are tons of there's and the six and eight dollar tiers come with a thirty day free trial. There's no commitment, and if you don't like it at the end of the month, you can cancel. But in that time, you can check out the bonus episodes and get a feel for it and see what you think. And if it's something you enjoy, this movie doesn't treat them as like a sad story. You know, but give it a shot. It's a happy story of a one hit wonder. Patreon.com forward slash soundtracker. I'm not sure how long I'm going to be able to offer this. But as of now, it is something that I can offer. And it's exciting, and I'm hoping that this gets more people to check out these bonus episodes because there's some truly great stuff in there and more to come. Well, let's talk about the soundtrack here. Awesome. Okay, so the title song originated as a contest. Atlantic Records, who put the soundtrack out, put a call out to the bands on their label to come up with an original song for The Wonders, and Adam Schlesinger answered the call. With Mike Viola. Mike Viola is this who wrote this, but Mike Adam Schlesinger answered the call and there's because their debut, Fountains of Wayne debut, had just come out on Atlantic. And and then the rest is history. Um there was uh Steve Zahn had a quote where they were they had these stacks of tapes that they were playing, you know, like playing the songs to listen to to be like which one is the one. And uh-huh. they said that everyone in the room, when that thing you do started, we're all like, here's the one we're gonna have to learn. Like they knew immediately like this is going to be our song. So the song itself, though, became an actual hit. It peaked at number 41 in the Billboard Hot 100, um, and the soundtrack peaked at number 21 in the Billboard charts. It went on to be platinum. It sold over a million copies. And wow. uh, Yeah. And the album came out on September 24th, 1996. So the top 10, the week that this album came out, number one, Celine Dion's Falling Into You. 
Number two, new additions home again. Number three, Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. I think you can set yes. your watch for that one being in these top tens every time I do one in 19, between like 1994 and 1996. And well, um, <laughs> what was that? Well-earned. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, I know. It's a great album. It's just so funny how often it po- that and uh, I mean, as all my listeners know, that and Hooting the Blowfish's Crack Review are like mainstays. I know that's not in this one this time, but Hooting the Blowfish is usually in here too. Uh, number four, the Set It Off soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Uh, number five, Black Street's Another Level. Number six, Cheryl Crow's Self-Titled. Number seven, R.E.M.'s New Adventures in Hi-Fi. Number eight, Keith Sweat's Self-Titled Album. Number nine, Tupac's All Eyes on Me. And number 10, Pearl Jam's No Code. Again, this is one of those things where it's weird to me to think that like at the same time this was on the Billboard charts, Tupac's All Eyes on Me was. like This just does not feel like those things existed at the same time to me. You know what I mean? Um, just really strange. Uh, and then further down the chart, three albums by notable artists that never made the Billboard Top 10, but were you know notable albums by bands you know. Number 19, Weezer's Pinkerton, which is where that album peaked. Uh, number 21, The Roots' Illadelph Half-Life, which peaked at number 21. And number 121, The Eels' Beautiful Freak, which peaked at number 114. So one last thing before we talk about the songs. I, I don't have this album as a hard copy, but the story of the wonders is actually continued in the liner notes of the soundtrack album. So in the soundtrack album, it reveals that following their appearance on Hollywood television showcase, that thing you do rose to number two on the billboard charts. Jimmy's career with the herdsman is also detailed a little further, further indicating that they recorded. I need you that thing you do. And she knows it. The songs heard over the movies and credits and they're credited to the herdsman on the, in the liner notes. Um, and the liner notes are attributed to A.M. White, a.k.a. Mr. White, who supposedly later became the president of the Playtone label, which is funny because he does have Playtone as his actual record label that he has in real life now. So um, number one on the soundtrack, the Norm Wooster Singers, Loving You Lots and Lots, written by Tom Hanks. So one of the smart things this album did was make it play out like a legit Playtone's record sampler, like you're getting a sampler of the Playtone's roster. because. Wow. As much as I love the Wonder songs, it's good to flesh it out with tracks like this one to sort of give it this more accurate portrayal of the sounds of the air. Because not everybody was listening to Beatles-esque music. You know, this is the kind, and this is a great song. This is the kind of thing that like his dad would have listened to. You know what I mean? Like the stuff they would have found more quaint than that newfangled rock and roll that's got whistling, a sort of country-tinged influence. Like, good job, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks wrote this one. It's a great track. That's awesome. I I did not know he wrote that. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, and I really like this one. So uh good good way to kick off the soundtrack. At number two, we've got the wonders with that thing you do, which is written by Adam Schlesinger, as I said earlier. Um, and as I said, chosen through contest. Schlesinger did not expect his song to be chosen, though. He tried it as a personal exercise. So the performers on this are Mike Viola and, and Schlesinger actually does the backup vocals. Mike Viola does the main vocals. And um you know, as I said, released as a single and not as successful as the song depicted in the film. In 1996, it was pretty crazy for a song like this to crack the Billboard Top 100, let alone make it all the way to number 41. And it was actually a bigger hit outside of the U.S. It hit number 31 in Canada, number 22 in the U.K. It was nominated for Best Original Song at the 69th Academy Awards, as well as Best Original Song at the 54th Golden Globe Awards. And it lost out, and uh, this is a travesty lost out on both occasions to madonna's you must love me from the movie avita which is not a look not a not shitting on that song but like you know the, okay here's here's why i say this is bullshit i'm gonna this is what i'm gonna say about this song so no matter how many times you hear this song and this is why i've talked about this song in passing in different shows before i talked about it in walk hard because walk hard does a good job with this too 
If you want a, an audience to believe that the song that they're hearing in the universe of this movie is a huge hit, a lot of times movies fail with that. You hear it and you're like, this wouldn't have been a huge hit song. Mm -hmm. This song feels like a hit song. And the fact that you hear this 11 times in the movie and every time it's that same rush. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> What like th this and this sounds like if if you heard this song with like, the context of the movie, you might even be like, I've heard this song before. It has that feel to it. You know what I mean? It like, um, it's just what an astounding song. I mean, Schlesinger was a genius. Uh, what a what a what an awful, awful loss that to lose him to COVID. You know what I mean? Um, totally. Fountains of Wayne, Ivy. I mean, the just, just uh, the the guy could the guy could write a, an earworm in his sleep. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. Just an unbelievable way with the hook. And as like a guy who loves hooky songs, like, um, but just it's it's so present in this. The verses are just as earwormy as the chorus in this song. You know what I mean? Um, it's just I can't talk enough about how much I love that thing you do as a song. Yeah, I totally agree. There's so much feeling, yeah, in every verse. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, so at number three, we've got The Wonders with Little One. Now, I'll go through who wrote the rest of these songs, because Schlesinger only wrote that thing you do. The rest were written by a group of musicians or group of writers. Uh, so this song was written by David Gibbs, Steve Hurley, Phil Hurley, and Phil Erlingham. And... Uh, it, and again, I'm also, as much as I'm glad they did this album as like a playtone sampler, it's good that they did a soundtrack with other Wonder songs too, because while the rest of these songs are good, I do think it shows that even without, and again, like all of the songs on here are great. All the Wonder songs are good, but you listen to them and they, you get the feeling that even had the band not dissolved, they probably would have been relegated to one hit Wonder status. And that's not a bad thing. The example that I'm going to use they, they came along in a different that this band came along in a different era, but there's a song called tighter, tighter by alive and kicking. I don't know if you know it off the top of your head, but if you heard it, you'd be like, Oh yeah, that one. Um, yeah, I don't know it offhand. It's their lone famous song, but that album is also really good. It's just nothing else was on that particular level, which means no other big hits, which means they're kind of relegated to one hit wonder status. And that's kind of how we feel about the other songs on this. Like, they're good songs. This, I think, is the only other one that could have been like a minor hit. If we're getting, if we're living in this, if I'm putting myself in, I'm living in the fictitious universe of that thing you do. Because this one kind of hits the same notes as that thing you do, but it's kind of more of a ballad. And again, it feels like it could have been like a minor 60s hit. It's good. It's a good song. But um, I do get the feeling listening to the other Wonder songs that like they would have been a one hit Wonder band no matter what had happened to them listening to the rest of them. Yeah, that would make sense. And I remember like um, towards the end of the movie too, Mr. White was like, um, he said something that like he want he wants more like that thing you do. And he, what I can't remember what he called them, like um, lovelorn or some sort of like description of just like these slower mm -hmm. um, whatever. And it's, and it's funny too, because he originally wrote it way slower and guy's the reason. Right. Like, saying guy's the reason that they even, that was even a hit because he sped it up. Yeah, and nothing, nothing to do with Jimmy's personal art, capital A artist. Right. Um, dime a dozen 60s ballad songwriting that he was doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the next song is The Wonders Dance With Me Tonight. This one was written by Scott Rogness and Rick Elias. I might be butchering names here, but this one almost feels like the most non of the era. It has like an 80s bluesy feel to it, which 
if anyone knows my feeling on 80s blues music means it's not my favorite but honestly by those standards it's still pretty damn good it just kind of feels like a song that would be playing in the background of the double deuce and roadhouse more than it feels like a song that would exist in the universe of this movie if that makes sense like it just doesn't Mm -hmm. the production feels a lot less 1964 and a lot more 1980s there's a couple like that on here that i think have that feeling which again that's fine um they just don't feel the part i guess but uh for 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 uh 80s sounding blues music this is still a pretty good song so at number five we've got the wonders all my only dreams which is like a really hilariously stupid title um also by rogue (laughs) and elias uh it's the first true ballad though the thing is i know that white kind of talks some shit about the ballads but it's a good ballad it has that 60s teen love song innocence like songs about songs about how it'd be like great to kiss stuff like that you know what i mean like like uh and it's absolutely a song that i would believe if like if this were if i were watching a movie that was like a period piece that took place in the 60s and this was like the song the leads dance to dance to at prom or something i would buy it you know what i mean like it's it captures that feeling really really well yeah i like that one i also like little one i I like both of them yeah i I get that feel like that you're describing there yeah well and yeah that's the thing there's not a there's not there is not a bad song on this soundtrack there's not one that i would be like this is a song i don't like um it's 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 just uh sometimes i think it gets overshadowed by how front-loaded it is with putting that thing you do at number two uh yeah it's it's hard to follow that one for sure right uh but the next song on here is The Wonders. I need you. That thing you do. I'm sorry. I had that backwards earlier. In the movie credits, it's credited to The Herdsman. In the album liner notes, it's credited to The Wonders. But this is another one by Rogueness. Um, Elias and Elias's wife, Linda Elias, wrote this one. So this is another one. This is one of the ones that doesn't have a 60s feel. And again, this is more 80s, but not. it's almost like 80s new wave. But it's very good. Um, I love the big shimmery guitars. Um, the sort of raspy thing that he does on vocals at times. This is a really catchy song. I really, really like this one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Um, at number seven, we've got The Herdsman, another Herdsman song. She knows it. Um, Elias and Rogness again. This one feels like Tom Petty, very much so. It's got that rootsy sort of guitar. Um, and again, I love Tom Petty, so uh, I, I like this one quite a bit. But that's the first thing I thought coming back. I hadn't listened to the soundtrack in a long time until we did this. And when it played, I was like, this sounds like Tom Petty, like a lot like Tom Petty early on, uh, the guitar and everything. So to me, that's a good thing. Um, and this is where we get into the really funny shit. Not funny. Is like funny? Not funny, bad. Like, uh, we got Freddie Fredrickson with Mr. Downtown, which is written by Tom Hanks, Gary Getzman, and Mike Piccarillo, who write the next few songs together. Um, but this is absolutely a perfect song for the character of Freddie Fredrickson, who's supposed to be like that loungy sort of, it's sort of ridiculous, but also somehow still really good strain of sixties music, like stuff that sounds like it would be in a spy film. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. It kind of sounds like almost like sort of Sinatra-y, but like more like dinner clubby or. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't know who they were going for. Like Wayne Newton, maybe. I don't know what they were going for with Freddie Fredrickson, but um. Uh, and again, it just makes the world feel more, more fully fleshed out to have this next run of songs on here. Now, the, the question with this one is, out of the context of the album and the movie, would I like this one as much? Probably not, but it slots in really well here on this album sequentially that like, I always would get happy on this one and pop on listening to it. Like, oh, hell yeah, it's, it's time for Mr. Downtown. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And I love like the way he looks in the movie, too. It's like, yeah, it's so perfect. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, 
So up next, we've got the Chant- uh, Chantelines with Hold My Hand, Hold My Heart. And um, oh, this is some great girl group stuff. Like I'm a sucker for this stuff. And it even like institutes some of that Spectre Wall of Sound stuff, like a really great touch. This is absolutely a song that would have been covered by Tiffany or Debbie Gibson and been a huge hit for them in like 1984. Like it has that feel to it. It's got that like old 60s girl group sound that I just love so much. Um, this is one of my favorites. I'll just I'll just get that out of the way now. This is one of my favorites on here. It's a great song. I love that one too. And I can't hear it without picturing them doing that dance move where it's like very literal and they're just kind of like doing these little um like these little swanny motions with their hands and the like, yeah. they put their hand to their heart when they say heart. <laughs> yes. And it's it's very yeah, I love that song so much. It's awesome. The innocent time sort of stuff that they did when they would dance very literally. Yes. Um, <laughs> So uh, up next, we got the Saturn V Voyage Around the Moon, which is some surf rock. Uh, And again, stuff that just fills the gaps between the Beatles influence that you see on like the young and upcoming band and other music at the time. I bet Tarantino likes this song. I would like this song if you heard it, Um, because it really does feel like a real lost surf rock instrumental track. And that's a like, I mean, that's an impressive thing to say about it. Like it feels this feels like something you would dig up. Like I was talking about digging up 40, like regional 45s. Like this feels like something you would find doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, Tarantino probably loves this one. So uh, at number 11, we've got Diane Dane with My World Is Over. This one was written by Picarillo alone. This is some Blue-Eyed Soul, and I love to see it here. Really excellent production here, too. Um, the build to the chorus, the horns, the twinkly sounds on the chorus. Her vocals are great. Honestly, this, and I said this too, this could be something on a Carly Rae Jepsen album with like more modern production. If they had more modern production behind it, it's a great song. Yeah, totally. And I mean, this isn't about the song, but I I love the the name Diane Dane, I think is so perfect. Uh-huh. It just like, I, I don't know. I loved all the names and how they fit these characters, but sorry that anyway. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's um, uh, but. And I don't like, I don't know if we get full names for all of the, you know what? I don't know if there's full names for all of the characters in the band. I'm curious as to now if like Jimmy has a last name or cause yeah, like Freddie Fredrickson, um, you know, Diane Dane and even like the bands, the Chantrelines or, or Saturn five or well, our next one here, the Vicksburgs with drive faster. Um, Elias and Rogness again. Um, this is, this is sort of doing a genre that I don't care for, which is Beach Boys knockoff bands. And like, I love the Beach Boys. I love the Beach Boys. But basically any of the like the surf rock bands that were influenced by the Beach Boys that follow the Beach Boys, I can't stand. There's some like really bad shit in that genre. But this one's great. And I think it's due to like the more modern production, even though it still absolutely sounds like it was made in the 60s. It's good. There's two, two songs on here that manage to hurdle genres that I typically am not big on. Um, and this is one of them. Uh, again, just a testament to the songwriting on this. Uh, but yeah, it's it's great. Um, a number thirteen, and I'm glad they threw this on here. Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooter, <laughs> Shrimp Shack, which is written by Picarillo. Obviously, very funny on here, but it's so funny because this also sounds like a perfect shitty teen surf movie song, like something that would play over a montage of teens causing trouble for adults. That was like all sped up. You know what I mean? Um, now again, out of context. Would I like this one? Actually, maybe. I know I like it here, though. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> uh, oh, out of context. Yeah, it's so hard. I mean, it is still super catchy. It's probably like as almost or not. I'm sorry. Second in line from that thing you do. But just like, you know, way, way lower on the scale in terms of like, I don't know how good it is. But but still, it, it is it's like one of the more upbeat, catchy songs in the movie. Yeah. 
but yeah. but yeah, more in a in a funny way than in a wow, this is amazing way. I, I, I mean, it's still good that, though. And I can I hear it. All I think of them is in them and their cap and geech and the shrimp shack shooters out. Right when they're playing, <laughs> you can't separate those things. Yeah, it's impossible. <laughs> Steve's on super happy, and Jimmy just furious the entire time, like looking mad as hell. Like it's right. So funny. And part of what Lenny's probably enjoying is that uh, that Jimmy's pissed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Which> yes, <is laughs> great. <laughs> Look at how mad he is. How mad that asshole is. <laughs> yeah. like, uh, uh, up next, we've got Del Paxton with Time to Blow, written by Steve Tyrell and Robert Mann. And I'm glad this one made it because Guy's relationship with Jazz and Del is very important to the movie. And like, I'm not a big jazz guy, but this is a great, I think this is a great jazz piece. It sounds like a great jazz piece to me. And it makes sense because uh, the composers are two accomplished jazz session players, Steve Tyrell, Robert Mann. Um, we're, we're like session musicians in jazz bands and, and, and you know, fairly yes. Um, and like I said, I'm not a big jazz guy, but to my ears, this is a good jazz song. So yeah, I, nothing me too. It sounded really good, but I'm the same. I, I don't really have that background to be able to judge, yeah. but yeah, it's, it sounds great. Yeah. And when I say I'm not a big jazz guy, I'm not saying I dislike jazz. I just do not listen to a lot of jazz. Like, that's my thing. Like, I enjoy it when I hear it. Um, I used to, I went through a phase where I was trying to get really into jazz and I played a lot of, I like it when I'm cooking. I like putting jazz on when I'm in the kitchen working. That's one time that I like having jazz playing in the background. It's like a, that would which I think cool. is like probably some like shitty yuppie thing. And I feel terrible about it. Like it's, I feel like that's like the yuppiest thing in the world to be like, I'm going to cook and put on Miles Davis. But like, it's <laughs> where I found I liked it. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's where I found I enjoyed it. Uh, so at number closing out the album, we've got the wonders with that thing you do live at the Hollywood showcase. And I have to assume this is just a mix. Like, I don't think they recorded it live in front of an audience, but as that mix, it sounds like it was genuinely recorded in front of a live audience with a giant stadium full of fans. But I think that was more so just vocal effects that they did. Um, maybe I'm wrong on that though. I couldn't find that, but anyway, that would be cool to know for sure though. That would be a cool fact. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. Wish there was but, some way. You know, at the end of the day, it's a live version of of one of the best pop songs of the '90s. So it's a it's a it's a it's a great song. So uh, I love it. Um, I almost had it in my top three, but I realized I could not have that thing you do in my top three songs twice. So I had to bump that one when we get to the top three. But, uh, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, it just I can't. I feel like I got to. Plus, there's other great songs on here. I was like, I can't do that. Like, there's other stuff that deserves that attention. So. Um, songs it's that's that's the soundtrack so we'll do a quick wrap up here so songs in the movie that were not on the soundtrack here's the thing there's a ton of them credited but from what i can gather like adam schlesinger has a couple but they all have names like the boy is sad or something and i think they're mostly just like score stuff in the background i don't think there's any um uh uh musical pieces that don't appear on the soundtrack in the movie that are non-score stuff Oh, you know what? There might have been that Dick Dale song. You know what? That might not have been Dick Dale then that was playing over them when they do that montage. Now that I think about it, because I didn't see him credited anywhere in the song credits in the movie. So might have just been somebody doing esque. Yeah, right. <laughs> somebody doing a good Dick Dale knockoff. That might have been that Saturn Five song playing when they oh, were doing Voyage it. Around the Moon. It might have been now that I think about it. Um, is it on Spotify? Yes. The entire soundtrack is there on Spotify for you to listen to from front to back. Not a song missing. So, Lauren, let me ask you. We're at that time. The movie, would you consider this an essential? Would you say stream it or would you say skip it? Essential. Yeah, I don't. It's it, it's one of the most like, I can't wait to watch the director's cut. I'm probably going to do that sooner than later anyways. I would like to see the director's cut, especially now that I have the regular cut fresh in my mind. So I, because sometimes when I watch director's cuts, I spend the whole time going, 
was that in the regular cut? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I'd like to do it close enough that I'm like, oh yeah, that was not, this is new. I have not seen this before. Oh, that is good. It's, it is fun if you can remember. Um, and it's also cool because it's like, we watched the whole thing and we're like, oh, okay, that's it. And it feels like so long ago. And it's almost like you, you would embrace just like that much more um, material of it, like edited yep. parts that they did that we haven't seen yet. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's awesome. I'm excited to check it out too. Yeah. I want to, I just want to spend more time with these characters too. I'm excited. Yeah, to do it. Exa- yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the soundtrack, would you say the soundtrack is essential? Would you say stream it? Would you say skip it? Or would you say cherry pick certain songs from it? Um, good question. I guess maybe stream it. Um, I don't, I don't know how to explain why, but <laughs> okay. But Let yeah, me- I would say stream it. I think it's because like so many of these, it's like, it's not what you're watching the movie for, but it fits the vibe mm-hmm. um, versus like, yeah. Cause I mean, some of the tracks, like, you know, if that thing you do had like a single and you like, I would be like, own that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. You kind of, you kind of touched on my answer. That thing yeah. you do, the song itself is as essential as it gets for a soundtrack song. 100%. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a handful of songs that I would consider like, hey, these are fairly essential. Like these are really great songs, but on a whole, you could stream it. And it's a strong stream recommendation. Like absolutely stream it. I don't necessarily think it's like an essential 90 soundtrack, even if it has one of the most essential 90 soundtrack songs on it. Um, so like I said, it was hard for me too. Cause I was like, I don't know if it's an essential, but, uh, this is a really silly question because, but I've got to ask it. Cause I got to ask it every time. Do the two go well together? The song the soundtrack in the movie. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't have one without the other. It's kind of like when I asked for walk hard, like literally the movie is the soundtrack kind of. Yeah. Um, okay. What are your top three tracks on this soundtrack? Oh, that's a good question. Okay. So that thing you do is, is first, maybe the, I, like you were talking about the uh, studio version and the live version. They could just like sit next to each other. Like one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then let's see. So then the, for two and three, um let's see i think i would just put the other slower wonders songs two and three but i think it would be little wild one oh yeah little wild one and all my lonely dreams um let me just make sure yeah i think i think it would be the the wonders ones because i feel like you feel that connection with the characters and there's they're the ones who created it and all the other characters are kind of there as like you know like backdrop or like you know the famous ones type of thing um so yeah i guess one two three would be all the wonder songs okay and now see it's funny because i only have one wonder song present in here oh yeah um, and i think going? we can all guess which one it is number one number one is with without question that thing you do uh-huh. um number two is diane dane's my world is over and number three is the chantrells hold my hand hold my heart uh really into the girl group sort of stuff on here big time um awesome really love those songs i think they really sounded so period accurate and like dead on uh and like i said i'm a huge sucker for that sort of stuff so i love i love those two songs um okay so further watching further listening walk hard for more impeccably crafted fake songs um i think that's like as close as it gets to this one for having songs that sound like they could actually have been hits um you know it's just a wonderful wonderful and it's a very funny movie yeah Uh, (laughs) It's been a while, but yeah, it was very funny. Oh, it's great. 
Um, and then other, other than that, almost famous empire records and school of rocker ones that sort of came to mind when I was thinking of like, what would be a good double feature with, with that thing you do? And I feel like those would all fit. Oh, awesome. And then it's got the Ethan Embry action in both of them. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> and oh, sorry, empire records and, uh, and that thing. You do. Yeah. I forgot. I kind of forgot that he was in that empire. I haven't watched empire records in a minute. Um, so that's, that's, that's actually one that somebody's got claimed here, but we just have to get to it. But, uh, can't believe it took two years for someone to finally jump on that one. It was really, really shocking to me. Not, well, not two years. They claimed it a couple months ago, but you know what I mean? That I'm through two years and like, it's like, I still haven't got to empire records. I thought that was going to be a real early one, but, uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear that one when it comes out. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be, I don't think I want to probably not be till 2024 at this point. Cause 2023 is fairly booked forward at this point. Um, through, through, cause I got, I mean, I've got this to record and like two more September episode or one more September episode. And then I do all my Halloween stuff. And then it's like pretty much the season's almost over by that point. You know, I got a couple left to, to record after that, but uh, kind of quick, crazy how quick this year's gone. Um, and then as far as further listening, actually those songs by the real wonders, they're good. They're on YouTube. I talked about them earlier. I don't have the names in front of me right now, but if you're, you know, uh, the songs by the wonders were called, please don't cry and uh say there definitely definitely check those out if you can find them and like i said they are the one the say there was a little bit harder for me to find on youtube because it kept bringing up god damn it who story of the year or something had a i don't know there's some band that had a song that 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 like it kept bringing that up instead of modern band and uh i'd uh, but anyway the other ones I got to suggest here, I think are going to be pretty obvious. Fountains of Wayne and Ivy. As I said earlier, Adam Schlesinger was a genuine genius and Fountains of Wayne. Um, you know, I, I loved Fountains of Wayne. I still love Fountains of Wayne. Ivy were an incredible band. And uh, I can't think of any better way to, to honor Adam. If you like that thing you do, than going and checking out some more, especially if the only thing you know of Fountains of Wayne is Stacy's mom, for some reason, like, um, you're, you're, you know, do yourself a favor and uh, check out Jesus Christ, Mexican wine, sink to the bottom. They have so many good songs. Um, hey, Julie is a really catchy one that yes. um, that was like me and my husband when we when we were working, like, you know, the jobs we were working when we were dating. We just like couldn't wait to like get home and hang out. It was like that was that was our song for that. Yep. <laughs> Fantastic band. Um, OK, well, Lauren, thank you. Thank you for not only coming on, but thank you for picking that thing you do. It's such a fun movie. And like I said, I've talked about that thing you do probably, I bet if you go back at least 10 different episodes, I've met, like name dropped this particular song when talking about like movies that have like a fictional band song in them, like, and how this is the one that gets it right. So really glad to get to it. And one more time, let everyone know, as you talked about your, your book, uh, let everyone know they can find you on various social medias that you might have and let them know where they can purchase that book. I don't think we got to that earlier. So let everyone know where they can buy the book. Oh, absolutely. Um, sure. So just uh, so the title again is Kill Radio, um, Supernatural slash Occult Horror Novel. Um, and it it's available everywhere. Pretty much books are sold. So um, Barnes and Noble, bookshop.org, um, Amazon. Uh, the Malarkey Books website, which I didn't even mention them, but that's the publisher and they are amazing. They have all kinds of awesome titles, horror and other. Um, and yeah, and you can find me at um, laurenbolger.com um, on Twitter. I'm Ren Bolger, so R-E-N Bolger. And um, yeah, you, you could start start there. But um, but yeah, I've got that. And then um, I have a couple more books that I'm going to be shopping around to um, 
to get released um and then other short stories like one one based on the band ghost in a uh, another horror anthology based on all songs by the band ghost um yeah and just there it's on my website if you guys, if you check it out if you're interested and um yeah that's about all that's been that's about it my my friend's nephew is a huge ghost fan and so i got yeah. taken to a ghost concert i i was familiar with ghosts but i think seeing them live was when i was like oh my god these guys are great like, incredible live yeah oh my god what a show it was so good um yeah, yeah. I didn't know much about him going in, but I was so, I mean, I, like I'd heard a couple songs, but I, yeah, I've, I've listened to a lot of ghosts following that show. So that's a pretty cool idea. Um, so yeah, please check those out. I will include links to, I'll, I'll link to like probably like Amazon and the, or not Amazon, but Barnes and Noble, fuck Amazon. I don't know why I said Amazon. Barnes and Noble and Malarkey. I don't um, say them first anymore. <laughs> like they don't need us. <laughs> no, not at all. I don't know why I said, I'm looking right now at an Amazon box that I had to, sometimes I'm forced in the small town to, to get something through. I try to keep it as minimal as possible. Right, Only through necessity. It, I'm yeah. on the same page. <laughs> and there's an Amazon box staring at me, shaming me right now. <laughs> get out of here, Amazon box. Get out of here. Get out of here, Bezos. Uh, but no, please check that out. Um, show some support and uh um and i'm looking forward to it like i said when school starts i've got you i've got that vile thing you do i've got luke on you i got a, i got a whole stack of books that are going to keep me very occupied in the early parts of the school year when school starts up again so um very much looking forward to getting to that one because that that synopsis is so up my alley and i'll be keeping an eye on that ghost one too because that sounds awesome so oh, um cool. and, yeah it's out now so yeah well and i appreciate this uh Hopefully we can we'll have to figure you sent me a list of movies. I do not remember what else is on there. I do not remember. I have to go back and look. I don't remember everything was claimed, but this, I feel like there was a, like another one that had not been anyway. Point being, uh, you have to come back sometime. I had a lot yeah, of fun doing this. I would so. love to. I had so much fun. Thank you. Eric. All right. All right. Well, thank you for coming on and everyone listening at home. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope that all of you have a tremendous weekend. Ain't no use running. Ain't no way to hide. He ain't gonna miss you, and he ain't gonna mess around If you're a movie with original songs The soundtrack I'm gonna